before we begin today's show. When you run a business, HR issues can really be a headache to deal with. There's wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, and labor regulations. And HR manager salaries aren't cheap, an average of $70,000 a year. Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, was created specifically for small business. You can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, and maintain your compliance all for just $99 a month. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. From onboarding determinations, they customize your policies to fit your business and help you manage your employees day-to-day, all for just $99 a month. Month-to-month, no hidden fees. Cancel anytime. You didn't start your business because you wanted to spend time on HR compliance. Let Bambi help. And you can get your free HR audit today. Go to Bambi.com slash hoop right now and schedule that free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash hoop. Spelled Bam to the B-E-E dot com slash hoop. And another quick thing. For all of the baseball fans out there who may be listening to this podcast, first off, I'm sorry. But on the good side, ESPN's great baseball insider, Jeff Passan, joins Mina Kimes on Monday's episode of the ESPN Daily. He tells you about all the latest in the negotiations between the players and the owners, and if he thinks the two sides will be able to come together on agreement and get baseball back. That's ESPN Daily. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We are talking about the NBA tonight with a big crew. Joining us from Austin, Texas is Kirk Goldsberry. Kirk, I hope you are doing well. I'm doing well. How are you doing, Brian? I'm well, thank you. Joining us from San Francisco is Nick Friedel. Nick, how are you? I'm good, my man. It's good to hear your voice. Happy Father's Day. Miss all you guys. And joining us from Los Angeles is Om Young Masuk. Um, Ohm is waiting for his wife to buy something. At, can I say, can I say the store? Yeah. Pier one, it, it doesn't matter. It's closing. Pier one. She's trying to get some clothes out. So, uh, yeah. Pier one going out of business for all you, uh, thrifty outlet shoppers and bargain hunters. So, uh, I think they're like 30% off right now. Everything in the oh, store. So everything yeah. must go. Happy father's um, day, everybody. So, well, they're going to be here in the sun Monday, Alm, but, well, but, 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 you guys. but the sentiment is appreciated. Um, all right. So the NBA sent out an, a memo to its uh, teams tonight, tonight um, about, I don't know how you pronounce this. I kind of feel like a jerk. It's spelled O-U-R-A. Is it U-U-R-A or O-R-A? U-R-A or O-R-A? Nobody knows. Anyway, it's a wearable technology. It's a ring. And you may have heard about this um, when the NBA's uh, protocol for the bubble came out. But, you know, there was so much stuff going on that this kind of got lost. Um, And so what this is, is you put it on your finger and it measures your heart rate, your heart rate variability, your respiratory rate, and your body temperature valuation or a variation, any ups or downs. And it apparently synthesizes all of that into an illness probability score. Long story short, they feel like this ring may be able to detect signs of the virus before 
testing in the gaps that come in, you know, you're tested and then you may not get your result for 24 hours. Um, it may be able to alert them. And I think this is relevant because just this week on the PGA tour, we had a player, Nick Watney test negative at the beginning of the week. Then later in the week, after he had played one round, he started feeling ill and then tested positive. And the issue is is that sometimes even within the bubble it gets in there and sometimes you can have sometimes you can flat out have false negatives sometimes there's a lag between your testing and because this is not rapid testing and also frankly they're not going to be using the swab that goes up to the depth of your nasal cavity it may not be the most accurate test and so this sounds like a no-brainer but here's the problem wearable technology is a hot button topic within the league because it collects data and people are afraid of data being used against them. And the league is saying that, no, 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 no. We have a deal with the uh, players association. What data is going to be collected? We're not going to share it. Um, but not everybody believes that. So Kirk, you um, have worked with the Spurs. The Spurs have been at the forefront of using uh, tracking technology in the league. Um, do you understand why teams want this stuff and you can understand why, why this would be interesting, but I'm sure you can also understand why the players may not want to do this and, and it's voluntary. They can opt out of it. A hundred percent, Brian. I think that's a, that's a great point. I think one of the things that separates, uh, tracking in basketball environments and, and tracking and, and, and personal lives is sort of obscured by what we're going to do in this bubble. Um, at the Spurs environment or any team's practice environment, there's a clear separation of work and not work. Uh, when you leave the building, you're not working. And I think one of the things that players really are protective of is, is their employer tracking their behavior or their their biomarkers when they are outside of work. Um, and the, the insinuation with this ring at this point is that this thing will be collecting data about players from morning, noon, and night, if you have it on, and that's intrusive. And, and and if anybody doubts that, hey, everybody out there, if your employer said we want to have you wear this ring morning, noon, and night, and we're gonna we're gonna monitor it, uh, how many of you would be cool with that? I wouldn't be. If ESPN said, hey, Kirk, we're gonna monitor your your biomechanics, every biometrics every every day. Um, so I think one thing that separates what's been happening, Brian. Uh, to this point and what's happening with this ring is we're tracking players' heart rates um, and exertion and workload in a practice environment. And then when they go home, we wouldn't. Uh, but I can tell you from firsthand knowledge, when you tell a player that you're going to track them when they go home and go to sleep or do whatever, uh, they bristle. And who wouldn't? So I think that's the issue here. This is not about basketball. This is about personal health, and that's a different situation. But but what if what if this is just – I get the the circumstances past the bubble and past Orlando, but what if this is just for Orlando? And the reason why I asked this is because, as Brian said earlier about athletes that we've seen being testing positive, um, recently I've kind of dipped into writing about boxing. And I wrote about this boxer last week named Mikel LePierre from New York, who actually was volunteering on the front lines in Beth Israel Hospital delivering PPEs to nursing units. And he had been on the front lines now for about three months. He tested twice prior to going to Las Vegas. He had a fight last Thursday. He had an antibody blood test, and he had a swab test. He tested negative. His team, him, his trainer, and his coach, land to Las Vegas Sunday night. They all test negative. 
And then on Monday and Tuesday, they say all they did was go to the, a sanitized gym to work out. And they went to like a breakfast. And then other than that, they had lunch and dinner delivered to their rooms in Vegas. And everything was pretty much locked down. But on Wednesday, when they went for the weigh-in, and then they tested again, come Thursday morning, the morning of the fight, his manager tested positive. So I said, well, what kind of test did you have? And they said, they had a swab test. And I said, the kind that you put up your nose? He goes, no, it was kind of like a, a throat test. But he was like, I have no idea how I tested positive from Sunday to Wednesday or Wednesday night. And I wasn't really in contact with anybody and he had no symptoms. And so I don't know. I feel like the ring or even like in China, I saw probably about a month and a half ago or two months ago, I saw they were experimenting with this technology where basically you had almost like a hotel card on you. And it was like a tracking device. And that way, China could track and see who was near what if they were exposed to coronavirus and try to figure out that. And I, I totally get it. It's totally intrusive. But I feel like if you're going into Orlando, into this bubble, and you know the situation, and you know the risks, and it's only for four months, I, I don't know. I kind of feel like this helps because, like as I said, with these boxers and the manager, they had to cancel the fight on Thursday night. And the manager still – I mean he might have had a negative – a false positive test and you wonder like what exactly is going there and there was no way to challenge it or anything else brian uh i would just like to state that it's pronounced aura like a-u-r-a aura aura ring. yes it's uh university of california san francisco is the developer the developers are based there by the way speaking of san francisco nick are you gonna go down there and get your aura ring <laughs> I don't want anybody to see anything that I've been doing. I feel like I've seen the scene play out in Apollo 13. Remember at the end when they're like, I'm not wearing my biosensors anymore, Houston, and everybody just tears off uh, whatever they were doing to to keep track of, of everybody's health. So, I look, I hope this thing makes it from pre-bubble to bubble to NBA champion, but the more I read, uh, the more I think this whole deal is a Jenga tower that is waiting for one big pull of a block and it all starts to fall over. Because what Ohm just described in that story, and it's it's happened not just in boxing, we've seen it in the UFC as well. The first time that some big-name player gets this thing and tests positive, all hell is going to break loose. At least I disagree. I, so. I disagree. Why not? I think, Why not? I, because I think the league has set everything up with the expectation that guys are going to test positive. Uh, but, we have, but it's one thing for guys to test positive. It's another thing for one of the guys to test well, positive. I agree. If LeBron tests positive, there's going to be a massive fallout. And and then and so the big, well, I think the thing will be interesting is so the NFL tested. 200 players within the last week or two we all saw some teams that tested had guys test positive ezekiel elliott tested positive i believe 11 out of um out of uh, 200 um of the players tested positive i'll have to ask the harvard guy on here but i think i'm pretty sure that that's five percent give or take <laughs> um uh if the nba tests i think you know they're going to have you know, in the neighborhood of 300 players and plus all the staff, if the NBA gets a 5% positive return rate, um, I think they would be thrilled. Um, now, granted, most people are not going to show symptoms, but, you know, there's going to be positive tests. And when you talk to people in the league, they're like, okay, we're not going to freak out if we have 
27 players and or 35 people test positive. That's good. We're going to get them treatment. We're going to make sure they're okay. And we're going to establish our bubble. You to establish the bubble, you've got to eradicate the virus. So the thing about it is, is that, and I don't think that, I don't know if this is purposeful or not, but the league has kind of buried this. If you test positive, it's shut down for a minimum of 14 days. Um, and that's with no exercise, but that's a different topic. So to address what you're saying, Nick, you know, we're going to face that right off the bat, but the league is set up for those positive tests. They are, they know they're coming. They are prepared for them. They have a procedure. And the reason this is going forward is because the league shifted from the idea that they couldn't play with any, they couldn't play with players with any coronavirus to we can't continue to play if we have players who are positive. Um, and here's how I'm going to term it. It's too big to fail. It, it's it, it, it's too much money, and it's too big to fail. Now, I say that sitting here on the night of June 21st, we may get to July 15th, and we may have guys testing positive or five guys on a team testing positive or what have you, and, and there is a tipping point. We don't know. I'm not saying that's not going to happen, Nick, but I but I'm my feel from talking to people in the league is that that is not that is not the way that they think it's going to go. Well, B, here's the issue, though. The reason this is moving forward is because of that $1.2 billion. And we can sit here and think, okay, maybe a couple guys on each team will test positive. Nobody knows that answer. And I believe the league when they're saying we're going to do everything we possibly can to create a safe environment. But we're all dealing in hypotheticals. The first time, whether it's LeBron, Kawhi, Giannis, Harden, Pick one of those top-tier names. The first time one of those guys tests positive and they have to sit for a minimum of two weeks, and I agree with you, in that whole manual, that was the biggest pull for me because I thought it was, well, you're going to have to sit for a few days, but you get two negative tests back and, and we'll get you back uh, in, in, in playing in games. No, no. You sit there for two weeks at a minimum. The first time one big name has to sit – the world is going to go nuts, and they're going to say, this is not on the up and up. This is not legit the way it should be to crown a champion, and I just feel like all the we public have, perception. That's I know it, but have. I feel like the public perception, if a big name tests positive and has to sit out a round, round and a half, potentially in the playoffs, it's going to change in a big way. Okay, but well, so that's, that's the point, Kirk. They're saying – then you should wear these rings to prevent that from happening. Yeah, and maybe that'll help prevent it. And to Ohm's point, if it helps, that's great. Uh, but the one thing we've learned in the first two decades of this century is that these large tech companies that say they're collecting data for purpose one are often doing purpose two and three behind the scenes. And players like Kyle Kuzma or Spencer Dinwiddie that have expressed very legitimate skepticism here, Brian – are on the right side, at least as it pertains to other examples of data collection in their lives. So, look, this is new for the Players Association. This is new for the NBA. Um, and just like Nick saying, if a player tests positive, all hell's going to break loose. I think that's right. I think you're right. It's too big to fail. I think some of the players will opt in to the ring, and I think many of the players will opt out. We're all confronting new situations here, and we can't expect everybody to – 
act uniformly uh, and adopt this thing. I'm a little skeptical if the ring is going to be better than the daily temperature checks and the extreme medical attention that these guys are going to get um, from their teams. Um, but I don't know enough about the Aura device, admittedly, to, to say. Uh, that said, I think we're we're all entering a new thing, and to expect uniformity or predictability here is just a fool's errand. You know, I was going to say, uh, Nick, this may be the new world we're going to be living in, past Orlando. We don't know when this vaccine is going to come out for coronavirus. We don't know when the next pandemic and the next virus that's coming across the horizon, because there's definitely going to be one. We know that there's going to be there's always another virus around the corner whenever that's going to hit. And so we don't know if this might be an indicator or maybe a preview of things to come of way society is going to be. And people might have to get used to that the new injury that keeps out somebody for two weeks is a is a virus. I mean, today in tennis, uh, Grigor Dimitrov tested positive for coronavirus and he was playing in this Adria tournament that Novak Djokovic was ha- was having. And then about a week ago, we saw Djokovic and there was videos of Djokovic and some other players in a club having fun. And of course, now one of them is test. Dimitrov has tested positive. I don't know if Dimitrov was in the club, but he certainly was around was some this, of the players. Um, was this tournament in Serbia? Yeah, this was in Europe, yeah. And um, uh, and, and so you I, know, I was I was talking to a friend of mine who's who's been he's a, he's American. Um, he coaches he coaches in uh, in in China, but he's been bunkered down in Belgrade because he's of Serbian descent. Anyway, he has been sending me photos. They've been playing soccer matches in front of thirty thousand people in Serbia. So yeah, uh, it's I'm like not, nothing you know, has changed there. Uh, and and but, I mean, I have one question to you guys, and we, maybe I'm opening a whole different can of worms. But this came up in my chat room with my my fellow tennis players about Dimitrov, which is. You know, one of the effects that coronavirus can have is it can scar your lungs. And so we're wondering, like, what kind of lasting you might, what, what kind of lasting effects it might have on Dimitrov, because that could be devastating to a tennis player. But I'm wondering, I started thinking today, I'm like, if a basketball player comes down with coronavirus, do general managers start looking at a player for future when they're looking at to, to whether or not to spend millions of dollars on this guy? Well, is this, this guy is damaged all goods? part of this, this part of stuff like, the, you know, here's the thing. We know that there was a bunch of NBA players that tested positive that we don't know about. I mean, there were two yeah. members of the Lakers. We still don't know who that was. There were members of the Nets. Now, Durant was identified, and he said he had it. Um, there, and there was probably a whole, you know, by the way, teams stopped announcing, by the yeah. way, because at the time, it was seen as, wait a minute, how'd you get those 35 tests? Uh, so teams just went mum but you can bet that most teams got their guys tested and you can bet that there were you know we just had mike malone um the coach of the nuggets come out and say that he had coronavirus right um there were you, you can trust that there are guys who've tested positive that we'll never know about but you know i'll tell you this every, a lot of people have been pointing towards the deadline that i believe is wednesday which is players have to raise their hand and say hey i'm not going to orlando uh, obviously we have guys like dwight howard and Avery Bradley, who have identified, um, you know, doubts because of the Black Lives Matter movement. But there's another deadline. There's another series, another thing that's going on here, and that's a medical panel reviewing all these players, um, reviewing all of these players' medical histories, and saying, "Hey, if you're too, if you're too at risk here, we're going to tell you you can't go." And the players can contest that, and there's an appeal process now. We look at all these NBA players and we see guys in their 20s who are in incredible condition, but they 
like have pre-existing conditions that we may that we don't know about, and that these doctors may look at that and say, "Hey, look, um, we don't think you should go." So, I, like you know, I have no idea. This is all private medical history. For all I know, there's going to be no players that fall into this trap, but there very well could be. We're going to have surprises. There's going to be players who decide they're not going to play, and they're going to surprise us. And there are going to be potentially reasons that don't surprise that surprise us. Because, by the way, it's not just because if you want to focus on the on the um, social change that we know a group of players is really focused on, or that you're worried about the coronavirus. There are guys out there who are who are going to be free agents, and they're going to get their lifetime contracts here, and they don't want to come back in the situation and blow out their knee. Um, you know, we've already heard the players are looking for insurance measures from you know to be provided uh and you know there's going to be dozens of different reasons we're going to find out um in this next week i think we're going to see a bunch of different players um kirk pop up as like they're not going to go and and you know you know friedel's talking about a guy testing sick there could be other guys who just are like no i'm not going to play for this reason that could potentially have people reevaluate things yeah, and, and and talking to our friends in the media, Brian, how many of your friends want to go? I mean, it's, it's a pretty intense ask, just in general. Will you go to Orlando for X number of weeks and quarantine in a hotel in a very uncertain situation, uh, in a very uncertain time uh, in the summer of 2020? Um, and to your point, I think the guys most likely to be skittish about it are the guys coming up on inflection points in their contract whether they're entering restricted or unrestricted free agency or they're coming into an extension window, why should I go risk this right now? I've already proven so much for so long. Why am I going to go play in this environment and get sick or get hurt and damage my chances? Um, you know, I think the Players Association has done a pretty good job of, of speaking for the overall chorus of players. But to everybody's earlier points, there are individuals who don't feel the same way. This is one of the most complicated summers of our lifetimes, and everybody's coming at it from very different positions. Um, and some guys are not going to want to play, period. Um, and, yeah, to your point, who's it going to be is almost less important than what's going to happen when a Players Association hears that player who's not going to show up to a game. So, Nick, um, if you were going into the bubble, would you put on the ring? If the, because I suspect the media will be asked to do this too, because, um, but I don't know that. But would you put on the ring? I would want to talk to my bosses first, B. I would want to say, do you all oh, want me to so. wear this ring? <laughs> and if they, if, if, if Andrew said, yeah, we want you to wear the ring, fine. Okay. Put the ring I, I don't have, you want me to wear the ring, Andrew? <laughs> Andrew, Andrew wants the code to the app so that he can monitor it. He will, he will be doing it. Oh, would you wear the ring if you were in the bubble? Would you wear the I ring? would. I would. Yeah. Uh, I think the ring's a pretty cool thing. And, uh, if I'm in the bubble, uh, I don't think I mind, you know, them tracking where I'm going or whatever. I, Cause if I did contract coronavirus while in the bubble, I would want to know who so I got I. from. So right, uh, where do they come from? Right. The other thing is, all these folks are going to also be wearing the Disney bands across their wrists, which um, is something that most people who go to Disney get. Which <laughs> usually it's like to get your fast pass to get on the ride and to uh, buy that souvenir. Um, but they will be using that as well, so they're going to be asking them 
to wear several pieces of technology um, that is data collecting. Um, Kirk, would you wear the ring if you were in the bubble? I'm sort of going to go with Nick. I know you want a clean answer. I say it depends. Is it tracking my location? Is it tracking what kind of activities? They, by the way, to, to be clear, to they're not saying that it's tracking the location. They're not saying that. Yeah. But I, I just put it this way. when I If I put that ring on, I would assume it was tracking my location. Me too. Me too. So. And, and Yeah, me too. So I would say – uh, it depends if my employer really wanted me to, if my teammates were all, were all doing it, I think I would do it, but I would express some skepticism. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So we were just talking a, uh, a minute ago about players who may not play. Um, Woj had an interesting story. Uh, I can't remember if it was Friday or Saturday about Victor Oladipo saying that he would ramp up. This has kind of surprised me. I'm like, well, what, I didn't know if he was talking in code, but it was like ramp up workouts. I'm like, what have you been doing? You've been you've been aware that this is coming. I, I don't I don't know if this is. I'm not sure what this is. Um, Oladipo is 18 months off of that quad injury, and he's saying he's. I mean, he's saying he's not 100 percent sure he's going to play. Um, this struck me as remarkable for a number of reasons because either a that quad injury is is still an issue, which would be worrisome on a number of fronts. And look, Kawhi had a similar injury and is still dealing with that for sure. Uh, B, I think that you know Oladipo had just played his best game of the season when the um, when the season was halted, and the Pacers had won seven of their last ten. And they're in a bit of a maneuvering spot uh, where they, if they have a good eight games, they could really do something. I think they're a, an interesting team. And C, he's a guy who's eligible for a contract extension this summer. Uh, I guess I can't say summer anymore because this, this stuff's going to happen in the fall. Um, Ohm, when you saw that Oladipo was – and for all I know, he's going to play, but – I checked with some folks in Indiana, and they were kind of surprised by that uh, statement that he made to uh, Woj. It's a, a really interesting dilemma for guys who are looking at their financial futures. And we know that, obviously, the salary cap, there's going to be implications from what's happened with the season suspended and everything. But I wonder all the time about guys like Montrez Harrell, who are looking for a big payday. What happens now? And do you risk putting everything on the line, not only from coronavirus, but as I said, do we, we don't even know what future ramifications could hold if you test positive with COVID and how that's going to affect your body. But also, you know, when I was talking to players about maybe even like about a couple weeks ago or a month ago, they, a lot of them were saying we're not even the bigger worry than coronavirus is injury because we've never been off for this long and then have to ramp it up for playoffs. And so that is something. Well, a it's lot a of slow ramp up. In, in fairness to them, it, it, this is going to be longer than the, than a training camp. Yeah, but, it's, but we, we've never seen players not be in a gym for this long. I mean, yes, some have been getting into a gym under their own methods, but there's a lot of players that have not been able to get into a gym for a while. Uh, and I'm not even saying that they haven't been able to get in the gym in the last couple of weeks because these, these facilities have been opening up. But for a long time, there are a lot of players who haven't been able to work out. We've never really seen that before and then have to ramp up and play hard. And so, well, I mean, like Montrez is a classic case. You are right, because this is a guy he's made some money. Look, I'm sure his bank account is just fine, but he's generally 
he's made probably less than $15 million. Um, and he is in position, depending on how things go for him, to make $15 million a year. <laughs> probably He probably wants a lot more than that. Considering his agent is Rich Paul, I guarantee he wants a lot more than that. But um, it's his life. What happens with this contract is his life. Um, yet he's an intense competitor, and he's playing for a team that is a, that is a championship contender. Um, I would be – there's no doubt in my mind that he has seriously looked at loss of value insurance if he hasn't – if he hadn't bought it already, um, which is a complicated insurance policy that costs six figures. It costs six figures in the best of times. It, it, who knows even what it costs? I'm pretty sure they – most people buy it from Lloyd's of London, um, and uh, it – you know, there's a there's a process that you go through that if you're injured and miss a certain number of games and and you know lose a certain amount of money, you can get that protected. A lot of guys buy it, some guys don't. But I know that Marcus Smart, um, you know, two years ago, uh, Marcus Smart, you may remember, uh, broke his hand or his thumb, and he missed just enough games to qualify. And so when he went into the negotiations, I talked to his agent, Happy Walters, about it at the time. When he went into the negotiations with um, with the Celtics for his contract, um, he knew that he had loss of value qualification in his pocket. And it affected the way they did the negotiation because um, – they knew that um, if he didn't get a contract that was high enough, that that the insurance would cover it, and it gave them incentive, uh, potentially to to, uh, to get out of his restricted deal, where he could have just taken the qualifying offer. Long story short, I'm down a side path, but it has played out that way in the in the past. So Montrez is a guy who would have a, a tough call there. Um, uh, Nick, I mean, uh, for these free agent guys, and even not even just free agents, like I said, Old Depot's extension. Eligible. Some of these guys are in extension zones. You know, Rudy Gobert is extension eligible, as an example. Um, you know, it's it's not a it's it's uh, it's 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 more complicated. I, I mean, my feel is that most guys are gonna are gonna play, but it's not just a let's go, everybody, strap it on, and let's win one for the Gipper. Well, big, you're exactly right, and this goes back to what Kirk was saying. If you're any one of the guys with, that we just named, that's why. The deadline this week, oh, they have to decide whether or not they're going to play. Who's to say? What's, what happens in two weeks or in three weeks before they even uh, get the games going and they say, you know what? <laughs> I've been in this thing. I don't want any part of it. There's too much money on the line. I don't feel comfortable with the corona stuff going on. I don't feel comfortable uh, in the, the circumstances, especially for all these guys on teams that – that aren't really playing for much of anything uh, as far as the championship goes. That's why that that first deadline was always in pencil to me because I think there's going to be a few more guys later on who say, eh, I, I don't know if this is for me. And, guys, this is a broader question, but this is the thing that now sticks out to me just as much as anything. How many years have we gone out to Las Vegas and seeing teams and officials and players say, man, I hope we lose. I want out of this thing. I don't want to be here anymore. I'm tired of it. I don't want to sit here and have to prepare to play or watch my team play because I'm done. And and this ties into not only guys that may get contracts uh, in the fall or are up for contracts in the fall, but players in general. 
that's why I think so much of what we see is going to be such a mental hurdle because to get guys to focus for that long in that kind of environment away from the people they care about, away from their comfort zone, I think that isn't getting talked about enough given what we've seen in the past and how many times guys want out of the situation they're in in Vegas or before that uh, at the Orlando Summer League before. Yeah, Nick, I, I talked to one assistant on a contending team who is legitimately worried that one of the teams who are in the chase for the eighth spot, but really kind of out of it, let's say it's the Phoenix Suns or the Washington Wizards, and within the first two to three games, they're out of it. They've lost the first two or three games, and they're out. They are concerned about the guys on those teams just being like, I'm bailing. I'm not going to adhere right. to these strict restrictions. I want to live my life. What does it matter? We're only And we got to be here for another two weeks. And granted, yes, they can't escape the bubble without the NBA knowing, but you know, what if they, well, what, in my, theory, what, they can, the NBA says they're not going to police it. Right. But, but what but. my bigger concern is, and what I really don't like about this whole, the thing about the bubble is that the Disney employees are not adhering to the same strict guidelines because you're allowing That's these, a real issue. these employees That's to go in and out in a place where there it's are not a bubble, spikes. right? It's not. And a bubble. And so it's not a bubble. And yeah. so what if, you know, somebody uh, interacts with another Disney employee who actually has coronavirus. Now you've put not only your team at risk, but you've put these contenders at risk who are willing to adhere to these strict guidelines for four months and go to lengths to battle for a championship, which unlike we've never seen any team go through these type of circumstances before. It's a good point, Om. I, I also think there's a strange um, inequity that exists here. So like, let's say you're a player who is on the Charlotte Hornets. And let's say you're a player on the, who's on the Charlotte Hornets who... Uh, is skittish about playing for any number of reasons. Number one, you want to focus on the Black Lives Matter movement. Number two, maybe you're going to be a free agent. Number three, maybe you're worried about getting coronavirus or you've got somebody in your family. Uh, or number f- number f- five, you just don't want to be without your family um, or any reason. You don't have to take the risk and you get the same paycheck. These teams that don't come in um, the deal that the union worked out, one of the reasons why the players are so incentivized to do this is that everybody is going to get the same pay. Not, not, it's not, not the same paycheck, but they're going to get the same percentage of their pay. Whereas somebody who is a few games, you know, one a few extra games is going to have to take those risks. Uh, and if they don't take the risks, if you are not excused, in a, you know, there's a bunch of excuse reasons. You're, you've got a pre-existing condition or you are injured. Um, you know, you don't get your paycheck. I mean, that's a pretty gigantic inequality. Now, for the most players, most of these guys, something probably more than half, but I'm just guessing, they're going to be like, look, I'm a competitor and I want to win. I mean, if you're on the Portland Trailblazers right now, my guess is Dave Miller wants a, wants a shot at this. He wants to try to win his way in and then he wants a shot at the Lakers and he wants to pull an upset. And if I'm the Trailblazers, um, you know, and my guys really want to go. I'm showing them footage of the 1999 New York Knicks who went from the eighth seed to the finals in I was um, there in uh, in a lockout season where the where everything was a little bit up in the air. Um, I mean, this is just it's all one giant one off. There's no there's a lot of inequity, Kirk. I mean, I don't I don't know what I don't know what you say to those two folks. Like, you know, um, tough luck. That's the way it is. Go and get paid or stay home, all due respect, and not get paid. 
You're exactly right. I think you have to appeal to these people's competitive instincts. And the good news is they have a lot of those competitive instincts or they wouldn't be where they are in life. Uh, there, There is a chance for incredible upsets here. I mean, you just look at the Eastern Conference. The Eastern Conference is wide open. We were talking about Oladipo earlier, who was playing well. Indiana was playing really well. I think they'd won eight of their last 11 games coming into the break, the stoppage. You know, that's a team that could shock the world. This is set up for a team to maybe not win at all, Brian, but to shock the world in a very elevated environment. I expect the ratings for these games, these playoff games, to be huge, and that's something we could talk about later. But, man, you have to appeal to these guys. Look, this is good for America. This is good for the basketball community. You have a chance to make history, go out and play awesome basketball, win some games, make your organization proud, make some money, uh, and you have to appeal to that part of this young men, these young men's like mentality. Uh, because we've we've done a good job of summarizing all the reasons why a guy wouldn't want to be down there in Disney World for potentially three months, by the way, July 10th to about October 10th at Disney World. That doesn't sound like fun to many people. Um, so, look, I think they have a chance to do this, to appeal to even those eight seeds. Like, if there was ever a chance for an eight seed to beat a one seed, isn't this the place where it could happen? Uh, isn't this the exact place where a seven or an eight seed could come in like a team like the Mavericks and shock the world and, and get a, a reputation. I think this is, that's how you have to appeal to these young players. Go out there and kick some butt and play some great basketball. By the way, Wendy, uh, when I was with that Nick, the 99 Nick team, um, they did happen to get the team they wanted in the first round, which was the Miami heat and the Miami Heat was the number one seed in the East. But the Knicks loved the way they matched up against that Heat team because of the rivalry, because how they knew each other inside out. But if I'm the Los Angeles Lakers, and I'm not saying the Portland Trailblazers are going to beat them in a best of seven series, but I don't want to face the Portland Trailblazers in that first round because I would not want to face a Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic coming back. Um, you know, and knowing that this this team will have absolutely nothing to lose and they could be on a roll to get to that eighth spot, very likely, feeling very good about themselves, while the Lakers may just be slowly ramping themselves up for the playoffs to make sure everybody's healthy, that could be um, some early fits for the Lakers that they don't want to see. And that's why once we get into this, and I, and I, and I, if you guys have been listening to the, this pods in the last couple of weeks, I know it's been a lot about this, and 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 I'm sorry, it's just it's what's it's what's what's on our plate. It's what we have to deal with every day, but. When the basketball actually starts, there's going to be some tremendous stuff. I mean, one of the things that I have – I've really felt the pangs as I've gone through the last three, four weeks and seen, oh, on this date seven years ago, on this date four years ago, on this date 12 years ago, and these incredible games. And not just game sevens of the finals or or deciding games of the finals. I'm talking about just – incredible game threes where there were buzzer beaters or one guy scored 45, another guy scored 41. Like we're going to see, I really do believe maybe not at the start and maybe not in the dog days of those seeding games where the Suns and wizards are playing out the string or, you know, I don't know what the Spurs are going to be able to put forward. Um, But we're going to see great basketball and, you know, if you're home, if you're working from home, good luck to your employer because <laughs> there's going to be games on all day long, every day. Um, it's going to be like the NCAA tournament. 
Yeah, day after day after day. And then in the playoffs, the first round of the playoffs, we're going to have four day four games a day for the whole first round. I mean, obviously some teams are going to get knocked out, but it'll be day after day after day. You know, you will have lunch and a playoff game. Day playoff so, basketball. Every yeah, time. I mean, I, I don't know if that's actually so good for ratings. Um, it's awesome for basketball fans, baby. Right. It is. It is. I mean, that – once we get through all this, if we can get through all this, I do. And, and that's what the NBA believes. You know, when, when I talk to people and, and I talk about the, the rates, I'm like, have you guys seen these rates in uh, these positive rates in Orlando and Florida in general? And, and guys that I'm talking to are like, yes, we see them, but we're not going to be in Orlando. We're going to be in our bubble. And maybe that's naive, but maybe it's not. Um, you know, I've, I've talked to these epidemiologists. I've listened to some of them say, you know, Anthony Fauci has said, like, what the NBA is doing is a, is about as good as you can do. I mean, I, I, I would I would try to figure out how to get the, the employees into the bubble, but I'm sure that was a decision that was wrestled with and analyzed ad nauseum by both Disney and the NBA. They made the decision that they did. But if they're able to establish this uh, – I'm not saying every day and every game is going to be great, but there's going to be a there's going to be some payoff. I I watched the PGA tournament tonight at eight o'clock at night. Finish up. I watched the last holes of the RBC Heritage Classic, <laughs> uh, and you know a bunch of guys who are you know not premier players. Well, the guy, the guy who won it was a pretty good player, but you know duke it out over the last you know few holes. I mean, I it's just supply and demand. So I think we get through all this, we're going to see good stuff. It's, I guess we have to, we have to focus on that. Also, I reject the concept of, of an asterisk. And I, I know like what Nick said earlier, look, if, if you get into a series and in one team's three of their starters are sitting at home trying to fight off the coronavirus, it's, I agree. It's going to, it's going to be weird, but for everything that you've just, you guys have described, the gauntlet you're going to have to run here makes this winning even that much tougher. So, I, you know, I, I don't know, but um, I just, I just, I just feel, I just feel like if we can just get to July 30th, if we can just get to July 30th, I think things will be okay. And Nick, that's what I'm, that's what I'm, I'm trying to put my mind around right now. I hope so B. I, I hope it works. It's better for everyone involved, everyone, if it does work. But to the point about the asterisk, let's let's take that for now. We don't know how big or if there will be one because we don't know exactly how the next few months are going to play out. I'm not I'm not ready to say there's not going to be one because what happens if <laughs> the Lakers are playing the Blazers in the first round and LeBron tests positive? Or Anthony Davis test positive. Well, that's going to alter. What happens everything. if they sprain their knee? The, but the, okay, I mean, now is this that ties. An but, is that an but this ties. This ties back into what almost saying is because maybe this is just how things are going to be moving forward, and nobody has has seen any of this before. I mean, nobody nobody knows. I look back. Okay, so maybe he sprains the knee. I look back on. A team I covered in 2012, Derrick Rose, first round against Philly. He tears his ACL. Uh, Joakim Noah uh, badly sprains his ankle. Do we? Do, is there an asterisk on the Sixers getting to the second round there? 
I think everybody they almost won the second round. I, right, but that's, that's what I'm saying. I think everybody who remembers any part of that season, especially that series, is like, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that that changed everything. The Bulls thought they were going to win a title that year. I, but maybe testing positive for Corona is just part of the day to day lexicon for sports fans, and maybe the NBA is the test case now because we're all going to find out how this thing plays out. But I think, I for me. It's too early to say there will be no asterisk. You're because, probably right. You're because right. nobody knows how this thing is going to play out. But to your point, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, if you make it all the way through Disney and you're one of these teams that starts in, in early July training camp and you make it all the way through and you win the title, I think that's the insider's championship. Because anyone involved in this circumstance – in this environment, understands how difficult it will be to get from start to finish and win. He's a, he's a better name. He's a better it's name, Om, than Insider's Championship. Uh, <laughs> yeah, title. Look, I, it, you're gonna. It's if you win this championship, you basically won the war of attrition. I mean, I, I, we've never seen. Forget about like even coronavirus. Let's take coronavirus out of this, okay? If a team were just stuck, all these teams were stuck in a place, same place for four months. And had to battle through that. That was be, that would be more than anybody has ever done before. But now you're facing coronavirus too, and like I think fans are going to need to just like like I'm trying to wrap your brain around this, Nick. I think going into this, if you're going to accept that basketball is resuming in Orlando in a bubble, you have to accept the fact that you're cool with whatever's going to happen unforeseen. You have yep. to wrap your head around that going into this. You have to understand that you are going to probably lose a player to coronavirus for two weeks and be cool with that. You also have to be cool with the fact that (laughs) I would be stunned. I'm not prepared that a player is coming back after the diagnosis, (laughs) to be honest with you. I mean, I've been reporting on the 14 days, but I mean, I I don't know. Uh, I mean, I don't, uh, obviously some guys have tested positive and are coming back. I mean, Rudy Gobert intends to play. I mean, I mean, Brian come Tuesday, we're going to see players test positive probably. Right. In all, in, in all honesty, I mean, they've been tested. The, the league really wanted players to test uh, over the last 10 days. A lot of players have already tested, and there are probably positives out there that we don't know about. Maybe not, but possibly Kirk. And I don't – I guess they'll come back. I guess some guys are going to come back because some guys are going to be asymptomatic and they're going to be, like, waiting for their 14 days to go up. But, I mean, I, I don't – I don't know. I don't know if it's like a sprained ankle. Well, we lost him for two weeks. We'll see him. We'll see him next round. Yeah, and we don't know. Uh, sorry to be the, the the echo here, but I think you know. I teach at the University of Texas, and we had a handful of young men on the football team that got tested as they returned to campus this week for practice. It was more I than think, a handful. Yeah, it was like thirteen to fifteen. I forget the exact number, but it's a serious situation for these people, for their families. Uh, this is not. A laughing matter. This is not a sprained ankle, to your point, in many ways. And LSU had the same thing. And and this is a result of two things. One, a rampant pandemic, but two, universal testing of organizations. And once that starts to happen, look, the question isn't, will there be NBA players who test positive when when those results come out? It's how many and what now? And you're asking the right questions, Brian. And I don't have a good idea. I think Look, if they're as asymptomatic as some of the, the young men that we're hearing about who are testing positive in other sports, 
I think it's fair to expect them to come back in a week or two. But look, I'm not going to put my uh, – this is completely unprecedented. There is no sort of um, – you know, there's no precedent for what we should expect for these guys to come back. Um, and the attitudes around them at their teams once they do come back. Well, and Om, you mentioned earlier about, you know, HIPAA, like you don't want people to know, but it's going to be hard to hide it because even if they don't, if they don't announce it, if you're not at practice, yeah, you know, but, but, the media, but there's not going to be any media or there might not uh, be but, enough um, media that's watching uh, practices. Eventually, you're going to figure it out. Right. <laughs> eventually, you're going to be like, hey. Where's our backup shooting guard? You know, know, Brian, Uh, for for a lot of fans, right, they don't understand why a lot of reporters go to the morning shoot-around. It used to be the New York media used to go to morning shoot-arounds for the Knicks to see who would show up. And if you knew who didn't show up, they were either something happened the night before or they were suspended or whatever (laughs) might have happened. And so that's why a lot of times you go to shoot-around to take a head count to see who's there. Yeah, well... No kidding. <laughs> um, it's a little harder now because uh, <laughs> guys um, go in like to do weight training and stuff like that. But um, not in Disney. In Disney, it'll be transparent even if they want don't want to keep it that way. All right. Thanks, guys. Um, God, I'm looking forward to talking about – boy, did you see Lillard having 48 last night? Did you see how he came <laughs> off that screen? Too bad they're down 2-0 in the series, blah, blah, blah. I'm looking forward to that so much. I really hope we get there. Thank you, Kirk. Thank you, Ohm. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Andrew and Troy back in Connecticut. A lot of folks on this. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We hope you have a great week.